We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight, we're looking at another cheerful, uplifting episode of Doomwatch, entitled The Islanders. John Bridge is fingerprinting a group of bucolic but slightly inbred-looking people. They feel he's treating them like criminals, and they start trashing the place like criminals. Outside, a man, Isaac, sees the disturbance and calls Dr. Quist. When Quist arrives, the police are there, and things are calmed down a bit. Ridge, with his super spy training, probably wouldn't have been overpowered by the mob if he hadn't been sick with the flu. Quist has a bit of a town hall session with the people, explaining to them what they already know, but the audience needs to be brought up to speed on. This is a compound filled with displaced South Pacific Islanders from the island of St. Simon, which was evacuated due to a massive earthquake that rendered the island unsafe. As a population of people that have been isolated for 150 years, they present Doomwatch with a fascinating opportunity to study the genetic differences they may exhibit, having been cut off for so long. They trust Quist. He and his people are the only ones that have advocated for them. But they've been in England six months, and the way of life is alien to them. They have no homes to call their own, nothing to do, and feel they are not suited for the world they find themselves in. The leader of the group, Thomas, wants to return to the island. Thomas's son is Isaac, and he has decided that he needs to find a way to integrate into their new world. He interviews for a job at a tea cake factory in London. Quist goes to the ministry to find out what can be done for the islanders. It's bad news all around. Doomwatch is forbidden from conducting any further tests on the islanders before the press get wind that they've been using them as guinea pigs. Further, the official explains to Quist that despite the appearance of being self-sufficient, the island has been increasingly farmed out and the fish supply is dwindling. For many years, the UK has been supplementing them with materials and food from Fiji. Now that Fiji is independent, there is no more lifeline for them, and the island cannot support them. Even more, now that the Chinese have nuclear weapons, St. Simon is a prime location for an early warning base. In short, the islanders are UK citizens and are free to do whatever they want, as long as it's not returned to the island. Isaac gets a job, but it's clear he was hired because the boss thinks he can exploit the hard-working but naive islanders. Also, he can get some good publicity by helping out by giving them jobs. Thomas comes down ill with a flu and is rushed to hospital. Others start coming down with a flu too. Isaac's mother is convinced that living in England and having no purpose in life is what's killing Thomas, but the doctor assures her that he just has the flu. Back at Isaac's job, the boss is genuinely impressed with him and is thinking of putting Isaac on a management training program. This is interrupted by news that Thomas is seriously worse, arriving at the hospital just in time for his father to tell him, take my people home, and then die. The islanders are suspicious, but Quist and the doctor are adamant. They're not keeping anything from them. He just died of the flu. That is, until the doctor discovers that Thomas died because of a liver problem. Some condition that he had previously had, but was worsened to the point of fatality by the flu. Others 
will die too. Quist informs the Ministry and discovers a survey is going to the island. Quist tags along and takes Isaac too. While the science team does a general survey, Quist studies environmental factors, and he finds something. Back in jolly old England, they put the pieces together. During World War I, an American ship, the Arizona Star, was sunk by a U-boat 100 miles west of St. Simon. The Arizona Star was carrying a cargo of mercury in containers that, under the best of conditions, would break down in 50 years. That mercury is now contaminating the ocean and the fish that the islanders have been eating all their lives. The birds that eat the fish poop on the farmlands and contaminate them too. The island has been killing the inhabitants slowly for years. Just one problem. The islanders most definitely want to go home now, and the ministry, trying to be nice, have agreed to let them vote on the matter. Quist must now put his arguments before the community and try to convince them to stay. They thought they were living in isolation from the rest of the world, but the world isn't as small as it once was. His warnings fall on deaf ears, and they return to the island. As a farewell gift, Isaac gives Quist his family Bible, an original from when they left England 150 years ago. Inside, the inscription tells of their thoughts of the world back then. We leave behind us an England of low wages and high prices, one law for the rich and another for the poor, a land of smoking factories, prisons, workhouses, and mines where children slave ten hours a day. We set sail to find a land where we can live and work as one man, where there will be no rich or poor, where there will be no idlers, and all can exist by the sweat of their brow. Always the downer, Rid shows Quist a newspaper headline. The Chinese have launched an ICBM and a South Pacific early warning station is being planned. Well, I like to watch Doomwatcher early in the day. That way my whole day is get a cheerful, cheerful pale to it for the rest of the, for the rest of the, uh, Yeah, day. unfortunately I watch mine at night. Oh, so you get to sleep on it. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, and it really sets, it just ruins the whole next day. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I, you know, well, I mean, we just had the invasion not long ago, which was also a pretty darn dark tale of man's legacy of being rotten to the planet. How did this one compare to the, to the, the invasion? To you? I mean, it's the same theme. Kind of. Uh, well, uh, it, it about the same. Um, although, it, it's same but different. I, I I was seeing a couple of other things. Uh, I mean, th- there's this this episode's got a lot uh, a lot of layers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one of the things that I was getting was um, forced relocation. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about that, uh, which is always a, a very popular topic. Um, so there was that, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just how, and then, and then of course the thought that, uh, well, forced relocation, then I started comparing it to the American Indians, you know, um, that's, you know, before the Europeans showed up way, 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 way back. Um, they didn't, they weren't exposed to a lot of the illnesses and diseases that, that, um, the explorers from Europe brought over. So then I started thinking about, you know, okay, so, you know, we relocate these people, they get exposed to these modern things, and now they die. And then we hear about, oh, no, it's not just that. It's like, okay, how many different ways can this story just get more heavy-handed? <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's very, uh, it, it is very heavy-handed. Do you think, um, on the subject of the relocation, I mean, it's clear that there was a very bad earthquake there. Um 
it, it, it sounds like the Islanders had to call for help. I, I think I think they even say that at some point, that they did, in fact, have to ask for assistance. And they were given the choice of leaving because Thomas says at one point, or his wife says at one point, that, you know, at the time, he thought that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, they're, they're not typically given that choice in, in most of the forced relocations. But... Um, if you just take it at that level, it, it doesn't sound like this was intended in any way, shape, or form to be uh, anything other than a humanitarian act. At the right? time, yeah, it did. It did, yeah. But but as we get further into the story and we start getting the minister to say, well, you know, we didn't bother to mention to you that their land has been farmed out from, from 150 years of bad farming practices and their fish supplies are dwindling. So basically they haven't got any food and so we've been feeding them. So now suddenly this self, you know, self-sufficient island isn't a self-sufficient island. It's a burden on England mm-hmm. to some degree, which has gotten worse now that Fiji is an independent country because now they don't have a supply line to them. And, and you know, is, did, the, did the Chinese thing factor into their decision? Was that on the table as well at the time? You know, when they came along and somebody back in Whitehall is looking at that going, well, I mean, we've had to feed these people and they got no food and they got no land and they, they had an earthquake. Let's use this as an excuse. Or or was it just, you know, on the surface of it, let's get them out of here. They're, they're in dire trouble. I don't know. I don't know what to take out of it. Whether they're trying to tell us that this was kind of a bit of a dirty deal to begin with or not. I couldn't tell. I mean, um, uh, on the surface, it sounded... Um as you said, I mean, you know, right from the very beginning, you know, the the land wasn't safe, et cetera, you know, because of earthquakes. I, I it sounded like it was a, a noble gesture that was turned. Uh, it it turned very very wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you one thing. Um, I did kind of peek. I, I try not to, but occasionally it just it happens. I kind of peeked at the synopsis for this episode before I watched it. And, you know, you get oh, a group of South Pacific Islanders that have been relocated by the British government. And my thought was, oh, relocated atomic testing, a bunch of, well, Polynesian looking people was what I was expecting. I was when when this group of farmers from York started wandering in the scene, I'm like, am I watching the same episode I was expecting? Because this is not what I thought of South Pacific Islanders. But of course, it's it's a a riff on uh, Pitcairn Island, mm. which is uh, quite inbred, I believe, as well. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I didn't look it up to see how much support they have to give Pitcairn Island, but I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere and very similar. It's the mutineers from the bounty, isn't it? Oh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> it's the it's the it's the survivors of one of the mutinies, one of the famous mutinies, took up uh, residents on Pitcairn Island and they've been living there ever since. I don't mm. think they're in absolute complete isolation because I think they, you know, would go out and raid for women periodically somewhere. Um, and I don't mean that in a slavery type thing, but you just have to go out and find some women from some of the islands um, to keep going. But um, yeah, that's, this is more of, this is more Pitcairn than, uh, although it sounds a lot more viable. Um, so no flu. no, and not, uh, I mean, not not the, a fatal. I mean, there was a flu, but it wasn't the killer. It just sort of like triggered that. Yeah. Well, as as they said, they didn't have flu on the island. They didn't really have that. You know, they've got a weaker resistance to it. But yeah. that was enough to trigger the thing. And you, and you mentioned the whole thing where Europeans came to America and wiped out 
Native Americans, for example, with smallpox. And I know that happened in a lot of places where, where you travel. Have there been any instances, British listeners, European listeners, let us know. Has that, did that ever happen in reverse? I mean, when the Europeans came to North America and they brought smallpox and all the fun stuff, did they take anything back? I mean, did we at least have some disease to help wipe them out in in return? Because I've never, uh, apart from malaria, um, which, you know, was a great equalizer over in, in Southeast Asia, uh, but I don't know that that really, you know, has come back to Europe per se. It's just more of a, because it's more of a tropical um, illness anyway, I believe. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like an unfair deal. Why are the Europeans so sickly? That's a good question. That is a darn good question. Well, no, it really is a good question. Um, and I was interestingly enough, I was just thinking about that as you were uh, expounding on that. Because, I mean, okay, so they had, I mean, I'm not going to call it an industrial revolution, but they were building up, uh, you know, as modern a society as they possibly could for that time. As opposed, you know, you look at the American Indians said, and they were living purely, li- they were camping. For yeah. all intents and purposes, they were hunter gatherers. Yeah. So, uh, the, unless there is something um, in, I mean, in the way that um, maybe in human waste, shall we say, cholera? Certainly. Yeah. yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. Uh, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, in Europe, they were living in much bigger cities for a lot longer. You know, they've, they've gone back to the Middle Ages. Well, back further, they lived in cities, in towns, and those are breeding grounds. And I suppose they could be accelerants for the evolution of human-born diseases. I guess that would make sense. There were millions of Native Americans in North and South America. You know, it's not like it was an empty land. There were millions. But they weren't, although they had nations, they were not as we know them. But still, there were, you know, there were packs of them. There There were groups. I don't know what size they could reach. Uh, but it, it had to be hundreds. There had to be communicable diseases. It, it, it just couldn't have been an entire continent without, uh, without disease, a communicable mm-hmm. disease. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, thanks, Europe. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's see. What else have we got on this? As you say, there's lots of layers to it. Um, the whole bit about the... Uh, the Mercury, and, and I, I, I want to say the Arizona Star is actually a newspaper here in Arizona. Down yeah, that's in Tucson. true. Yep. So when he said, "Oh, it's the Arizona Star," my ears yeah, perked my, up, and I'm my like, ears perked my yeah. I, I thought the same thing. I thought, "Whoa, that that, that was unusual to hear out of a British show from the '70s." It was, it was, and I kind of wonder if they picked that because of the Arizona, the battleship that was sunk at the, at uh, the start at of Pearl the American at Pearl Harbor. Yeah, mm. at the start of the American involvement in World War II, I should say. I almost said at the start of World War II, but that does sort of um, downplay the millions of people who got killed before that time, um, which I do not mean to do. Um, <laughs> well, let's laugh at millions of dead. I might cut that out. I'm not 100% sure. Um, not sure where I was going with that. Oh, so Mercury. Um, we're, we're still hearing about that in the food chain to this day. Uh, fishes eat it. I didn't uh, didn't realize that the birds uh, crap it all over the ground. Duh. And uh, I mean, it makes sense, but yeah. uh, I, I guess you know it's funny though. I'm not not trying to dispute that in any way, shape, or form. But my understanding was that when you consume 
that type of mercury, not the kind that's in vaccines, but, but the bad kind of mercury, um, it accumulates in the body mm-hmm. because it doesn't pass out of the body. Mm-hmm. So would you be crapping it if it's building up instead? I mean, I, I, I part of me, would, I, you know, honestly, I don't know <laughs> because I, because I, I just don't fully have any, I don't have any knowledge yeah. on how that, how the whole metabolic process regarding mercury, how, how that all works. Yeah. And I'm not disputing it. I just, I, for some reason in my mind, all these years, I've always thought that this was strictly, you know, the, the fishy eats the plankton that's been contaminated and then uh, and he gets the mercury and then the fishy that eats the fishy gets the mercury and then the sharky that eats the the fishy gets the mercury and then the person who eats the shark gets the mercury and that there is not a cascading chain of the fishy eats the mercury and gets the mercury plus he craps the mercury out to get contaminate more people and the shark eats the fishy to work the uh I have got to write that down and, and see if I can get that paper published in Nature. Um, the, 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 the sharky eats the fishy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, it, it just never, it never occurred to me until he said that. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that makes a certain amount of sense. We're all screwed. I just thought I could avoid eating fish. But uh, apparently that's not a... That's, that's not good not, enough. That's not good enough. We're going to have to kill no. all the birds too. And then burn the crops. Burn the crops. We'll get that mercury. Yeah, we'll, we just have to scorch the earth. Get it. Um, let's talk a little bit about the the malaise of the people who have been displaced, the islanders. I I, I feel for them. I do too. Um, even though they're just fictional, I, I feel for them. But, well, I think it's easy to feel for them because it's not an... Uh, uh, it's not a situation that is beyond our understanding. I mean, historically, we've seen that kind of thing happen. Maybe not exactly in that particular situation, but there is historical evidence. You know, evidence. I mean, there's historical fact of forced relocation. Oh yeah. I mean, the circumstances differ, obviously, but it has happened. And 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 there's well, I mean, whenever they have. Okay, that's over oversimplifying it but we'll 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 run with it it's oversimplified whenever they move a group of people from their native lands and they put them whatever those native lands are and they put them in a let's call it a reservation um you know that never turns out well no it hasn't um it 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 leads to all of the terrible stereotypes that that you get about you know substance abuse and idlers and uh domestic abuse uh because these these even when they are put in a place where they're free to leave they don't because for whatever reason some of them do obviously but those that don't oftentimes are doing it to maintain their way of life or try to maintain their way of life yeah cannot do that and you know the the deck is so stacked against them from ever achieving, uh, you know, in, in in that confine, that leads to all sorts of problems, and and that's you know kind of what we're seeing here with these people. And I think it's interesting that it would have been, I would have liked to have seen this a little further down the line, not necessarily six months down the line, because here's an opportunity for them to tell that tale we've told so many times that seems to always fall on deaf ears. 
but this time about white people, and maybe somebody would listen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, instead of coming up with the stereotypes of oh, Native Americans. Oh, well, are a it's bunch the Native Americans. Yeah, they're the, sloth. The abos in Australia are, are right. I mean, right. yeah, they're slothful people. You know, but but but, but by making it white people, uh, it's like okay, well, you know, well, you just that that's us. So how can you say that about us? Oh, you well, you, who knows? I could find that's some other, different. You know. Oh, it's they're farmers, or something. Yeah. Something is uh, equally ridiculous. Yeah. Why didn't they just give them a farm? <laughs> yeah, a land of work. Yeah, I mean, they must have had some place they could have found. They could have bought somebody's been, farm instead of putting them in some barracks. Come on. Not to mention the fact that there's, I'm sure there was plenty of countryside. I mean, it wasn't that big a community to begin with. Based on yeah. the people that were there, it wasn't very big. It was a very small village. They could have easily set them up someplace else that wasn't just some, you know, um, decommissioned military base. Yeah, it was. And, and, and so... What they didn't really get a chance to go too deep into because the flu problem came up and the people started dying um, too early uh, was Isaac going out to get a job. You know, here you have you have the, the community and they've got their way of life and they're close-knit and more power to them. And they've been put in a new situation and the old folks are not adapting well to it. And not just the old folks, but let's start with the old folks. They're not adapting well to it. That's how old folks are. They don't like change. They're set in their ways. I sympathize. I, I know that feeling. And then you've got the younger generation that maybe not just maybe not just are able to adapt and go, well, we've got to do something different, but actually may even embrace it to go, you know something? Working at a tea cake factory is amazing. It's like they get this machine and you put stuff in it and then it comes out on the other. It's like, imagine what it would be like to be isolated. You know, they're not completely isolated. Obviously, they have boats well, no, and they have I'm, contact I mean, with the like... outside. But I mean, basically, they're they're cut off from technology and phones and TV and whatnot. And, and imagine how amazing those things are mm-hmm. or could be. I mean, you might go, oh, it's the devil's work. Or you might go, that's amazing. And... Uh, that conflict between the old and the young or the, the, you know, that is also one of the things that goes on in these forced relocations is, you know, our young people are drifting off to find jobs, to find work, to get a better life. They're losing their way of our, our lifestyle is dying and going out. Um, <clears throat> it, 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 I just feel like they just, they just touched on a bunch of this stuff and then we didn't really get a chance to, to, to talk there was about a lot. No, you're, that's right. There's a lot. There's a lot of opportunity for some heavy discussion. Of, you know, in, especially in terms of the social implications on what this kind of thing. You know, what 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 this act did. But I think they kind of wanted to keep it to the more sciency, sci, you know, speculative fiction kind of aspects. So that's why they decided to go right for. You know, the, you know, the thing that Doom Patrol is best about, and that is how we poison the earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't. <laughs> it's <laughs> you, you raise a good point. You, you raise a good point. Wouldn't disease been good enough to kill him off and show the faulty of this? That would have been fine. This I, I, I really think so. That's why I was really that's why I was so surprised when it took this. Oh, oh actually, it's this whole thing. I thought, wow, you know, that's a separate episode. <laughs> it did kind of feel like it needed to go somewhere else. Yeah, I really thought that this would have been a very good opportunity to 
uh, have Doom Patrol go into, you know, uh, social awareness, cultural awareness. And it it didn't do that. I, this that would have been a not, although maybe somebody thought so, well that's not speculative fiction enough oh okay I, you know I, I think it's a neat way for them to try to integrate both concepts lack of resistance and you know it's not about it, it isn't about the I guess it isn't about the environmental pollution as much as it is about driving home the point that I'll say it no man is an island no <laughs> You know, mm. we live in this world. You can't escape it. And it's getting smaller all the time. And the more we do to it, the worse it's getting all the time. And you, you can't turn a blind eye to it. You know, whether it's, whether it's pollution or whether it's culture or disease, you know, it's just it, it, politics. You can't get away from it. The politics are going to take them down because of the Chinese and needing to have a missile, a listening base on that island. Or... The pollution from World War One, which they didn't participate in. They might not have even known it existed, you know, out there on their island. We don't know how long they were completely cut off before somebody came along and said, oh, you guys. Um, it, yeah, it's just, um, uh, it, it, it is uh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I'm going to uh, add out here that Pitcairn Island, which, like I say, this is based on, is uh, 50 inhabitants. And they are the survivors of the Mutiny on the Bounty. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, that that is almost certainly what they're doing. Except, interesting that these people were not the children of criminals. All right, I don't know if they ever got tried. So, <clears throat> you know, the the uh, accused mutineers of the Bounty, assuming that that they didn't. But uh, you know, these people were hardworking, good, honest folk. And I quoted that entire piece from from their family bible at the end because you know it, it hits with the theme of sorry you can't get away from the world the world's just going to keep coming to you mm. but at the same time is there anything different left mm-hmm. england you know it's still a land of low wages and high prices yeah the rich have a different law than the poor there's still factories there's still prisons there's probably no workhouses anymore Oh, thank and, you, Dickens. And maybe, maybe the mines don't have child labor in them anymore, but in the early 1970s, they still had a lot of mines. Yeah, that's um, true. They did. You know, a lot of coal before, mines. And coal for the factories. And, you know, they've, they've made an indictment of England 150 years ago that is still absolutely spot on today. Like, so where is our progress in this world? Again, this would here's another episode that could have really been great, uh, or a further uh, story point that could have been delivered. But I'm sure somebody who's running the show thought, "No, it's not speculative fiction enough." Yeah, and and as I'm watching it all the way through this I, this this episode, I already have Pit Karen in my mind, right? I already have Mutiny on the Bounty on my mind. That these are you know the descendants of some criminals that were hiding on a rock in the middle of nowhere and then you get to the end and suddenly it's like no these are these are pilgrims you know these are mm-hmm. these are people heading off to a new land to find a place to live their life and not suffer the injustices of the world around them and 
it, it throws a complete different, in my mind, it threw a complete different spin on this group of people, even though they're not the mutineers, you know, they're not the mutineers, but, you know, in my mind, there is, there's no nobleness in them being on this island, and then suddenly at the end, boom, nope, there was. This was about mm. making a better world, not escaping from your wrongdoings. So, yeah, I... I, I, you know, I enjoyed the episode despite the fact that it's, you know, it's a downer. Well, it's, it's, it's a good story. I mean, okay, it, I, granted, I didn't like the way it did that left turn at the end, but in terms of what they did give us, it was very well presented. There was some good content. I mean, the, the science was sound. Uh, it raised some good questions, didn't explore them fully enough, but at least it raised them. I mean, so yeah, I would say this This was uh, an episode, I mean, I can't say that I enjoyed it, but I can acknowledge it as being a good one. I also thought it was amusing that here is one of the few episodes where Quist throws his weight around a little bit. You know, not with, oh, it's going to destroy the world or anything like that. He's he's throwing his moral weight behind the treatment that these people are getting. And he actually gets the ministry to back down and go, all right, we'll let them have the option. If they want to go back to the island, we'll let them go back to the island. And then, of course, he's like, no, no, sorry, changed my mind. <laughs> mm. But I think it's interesting that, that the ministry wasn't nearly so much a cartoon villain in this one as they are in some of the other episodes. True. You know, yes, Uh-oh. they had their reasons. Yeah, um, but and and then you know they're like, well, now now Quist, it's up to you to convince them to not go back because we already told them we'd let them go. So now you're you're on the you're on the spot here. Which speaking of which, that island would be somewhere in the South Pacific. I mean, way out there. We're talking, you know, like Easter Island and beyond, and and kind of stuff. Really, really remote. How much time elapsed from when Quist got that expedition? Ooh. And then he gets back for the episode, you know, it's like, oh, I found something in the fish. Dun, dun, dun. And then the yeah. next scene, he's back in his office with Ridge. You're going, what's that? Like six weeks later. <laughs> Good point. I had not considered that. It was, it was very, uh, I'm sure that that is not an easy place to get to. You don't fly in. Obviously, they came in by a boat called the Britannia. I think it was the Britannia. Um, which I thought probably unlikely for an island a boat coming out of Fiji but okay but anyway one other thing I wanted to uh kick around was the bit with the tea cake factory Mm -hmm. at first I wasn't entirely sure in my notes as I'm watching the scene where the guy is talking with Isaac the boss is talking with Isaac for his initial thing and I'm like I just am kind of getting the feeling that this guy is of the impression that, you know, this workforce is not going to be the typical lazy British union guy. These are going to be hardworking people and I can work them and exploit them. I kind of got that feeling, but I couldn't quite place words on it. Until he walks out, and then she says, well, what about pay? So, well, union minimum. Well, he didn't even talk about it. So, hey, I guess that's what he wants, huh? Minimum pages. He doesn't care. It's like, and then he turns around and goes, and I think, you know, we should call the press and uh, get some good publicity for our company. It's like, it's, it's, it's kind of sleazy. Hmm. And 
And you think he's a cartoon villain. Or at least I was thinking. There's another cartoon mustache twirling boss. Yeah. <laughs> and then he turns around a few episodes and he's like, listen, I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about you. I want to put you in our management training program because we like to promote from internal. And I think you could be the guy. So he's... He's not... He, he's just a tough boss. Yeah, he, he turns around and, he, and he's like, hey, that that's that's good good for you. You find a good worker and you promote him internally. Fantastic. I, I, I give him the that. opportunity. And again, I think that's part of the... I think Lewis Marx wrote this. And we've seen Lewis Marx wrote several of the older episodes of Doctor Who. Some of which I cannot name. Actually, most of them I can't name. I think the French Revolution... The Reign of Terror, I think, is one of his, which is not a good endorsement, actually. Um, but, um, you know, he, he's he's done a good job of putting these people together and not make them entirely stereotypes. Even the girl, right, who is, who is Isaac's, you know, we would be wed on the island. Oh, yeah. But now, you know, we're off the island. All bets are off. I get that. I mean, on the island, there's only a few girls, and so... Men and women, so I mean, you don't have much choice. Now you get a choice. That's a very pragmatic attitude, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. makes it sound like it was strictly an arranged marriage, which it probably was. Did did they have affection for one another? I mean, what if you grow up together in a situation like that, and you know your whole life that, and you don't hate each other, as they clearly didn't hate each other. No, I, I think it was just seemed very affectionate. So I, I, it seemed like like it's just accepted. It's part of their community. Part of part part of the community values, but now he's he's got a bigger picture. He has a different perspective that he's working with now, and that tells him that he does not have to follow by those very. Um, but it's not rules. It's not him that's saying that. It's her. He's the one going off to London and whatnot. But she is the one that's saying, you know, I understand. I get this. It's like, it's like that's, I. I I don't know how to take that. It, it's very pragmatic. At the same time, it almost feels like she thinks of herself as cattle. And I... I or livestock. I, 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 I don't know. Again, it's just like... They just poked so many things in this episode. <laughs> just so many little things. Um, you can only but, do so much. Yeah. Um, and... You know, they're going to go off and die. And they also, and I, I didn't mention the recap, but there is that scene where, you know, we're talking about the world getting smaller, but there's a scene where Quiz says, look, if you go back to the island, the pollution of the world's going to kill you. Uh, you're going to live shorter lives and you're going to die. And Thomas's, Isaac's mom's, um, comes out and says, well, isn't that true with all the pollution and the, the, the stuff here? And Quist is like, yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, you, got the, you got me on that. You one. got me there. Uh, the environment does kill us. Our environment is nasty and it's going to kill us. So, uh, you know, again, it's that it's that themes of, of the earth being a, a mess. But, yeah. Let's see. I don't know that I have anything else. Anything you've got? No, not really. I mean, we pretty much covered all the all the salient points that, that I observed and, and noted. Oh, there is one thing. Did you at any time think that as this story was going on, when Isaac went to London, I honestly thought that he was going to walk in front of a car and get killed. 
You know, actually, I, you're right. I did. Uh, when he's cr- <laughs> And that was going to precipitate the whole, we yeah. can't live in this world thing. No, and, you're and right. I, you're right. I, that's right. I, I, I didn't write that down, but you're right. I did observe that uh, because he seemed like, how, cross lights? What, what am I doing lights? here? What is this? What, what is this mm. witchcraft? Uh, it's like he had absolutely no idea what the heck it was or how to how to work with it. But no, he he got across without any problem. I I, I have to admit I would find that fascinating to see how someone would deal with that because you see it and you know you see it in science fiction TV shows. You bring somebody in from the future or the past and they come to our world in cars and they just like walk in front of the car. Or even Kirk does it in in. Uh, Sitting in the edge uh, of forever. City in the edge of forever, right? They just walk in front of cars. It's like, you don't have cars in the 23rd century? I think you do. They just don't have wheels, right? But Yeah, they fly. Yeah. So <laughs> when when you, some cowboy gets transported to the present, he always walks in front of traffic and somebody's like, what are you stupid? It's like, I don't, I don't really think people would walk in front of a big metal thing barreling down on them unless they didn't see it, right? I, I, I feel like... I feel like you would be standing there on the streets and you would see all the cars going down the streets and you'd see the people crossing the streets in certain ways and you would follow their example. It's mm-hmm. not like he was, you know, it wasn't a lot of pedestrians where he was too. So, I mean, you just... To, I have been in Taiwan. I have seen freaking dogs that walk with the crosswalks. They're, they're, they're trained, or at least they, they figured it they've out learned, themselves. They've learned for themselves. I've seen that they, they are stray dogs running, well, not so much in the last few years, but, you know, 10, 20 years ago uh, when they, were, didn't, they didn't like dogs much and they were more of a stray animal problem. They would walk around and they would, they would just go up to the red light and they'd wait with a crowd of people. And when the light would change, they'd all cross the street and you're just like, that's amazing. Of course, in some instances, the dog would only have three legs. And you'd be like, huh. <laughs> Wonder how he lost the light. <laughs> Probably the hmm. first time he didn't cross the street with the light. So maybe it's not the best example. Anyway, well, I think uh, I think that's it then for Doomwatch the Islanders. Um, I don't know what the next one is. It doesn't really matter. Whatever it is, stay tuned for it. Ben, thank you for joining me. Sure thing. Listeners, I do hope you will join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. I should really call it uh, Fusion Watch just once.